Not every Western is bad. Name a good one. Blazing Saddles. This is not a real Western. It's a mockery of Westerns. It is. Well, that it's still a Western. It does all the things that Westerns do. I wouldn't say it's good. It's incredible. What are you talking about? I'd say it's a good movie. I wouldn't say it's a good Western. Support your local gunfighter is also pretty good. There's a movie that's called that? Yeah, and support your local sheriff. Same vibe, similar actors. Pretty good. I don't like Western movies. That's okay. They're still good. They still have merit. Meh. All right, fuck you. Read your notes. John Wayne was a Western actor, right? That's like a thing. Yes, he was. That incorrigible piece of shit. Oh, we don't like John Wayne. No, John Wayne is bad. Why don't we like John Wayne? Uh, Because he's a sexist, racist piece of shit. Wasn't everyone in the time? No, not everyone. But he was like extra. That's James. I'm America. (laughs) This is City Wave Cinema. What a train wreck of an intro. And we watched Blazing Saddles in case you were wondering why this is part two and not part one. And you are confused and wondering why you're here. Welcome. That's everyone that shows up to most of our streams, podcasts, and recordings. Jesus Christ. Um, Where were we in the plot for Blazing Saddles? We just met Jim. The Waco Kid. Yeah. Most people just call me Jim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jim is a millennial. And I'm going to tell you why. Okay, sell me on this. He has a millennial mindset. Because Bart makes a comment about drinking like that on an empty stomach will kill a man. And he said, when? And he said, when? And at the same time, me and my millennial status went... I wish. I was like, I think I said something similar to like... I. I wish, or... You said please, I Yeah, think. please. I think as I said, I said please. <laughs> and that is, um, that is why Jim... Uh, we just long for death. He also, like, just has that whole, like... I don't care. That whole millennial motif through, like, most of this movie of just, like, I drink and I show up places, and that's, that's about... That's exactly what Jim does for the whole movie. <laughs> and makes... And on occasion, he does gunfighter things. And he makes sarcastic, quippy comments, and that's all that you need from him. Mm. Mm. And Christine. so Jim is a millennial and I will hear no further arguments, no questions from the peanut gallery at this time. Um, I laughed for the third time because <laughs> in case you're counting at home, this is three laughs, which makes it th- oh. two times better than million ways to die in the West. Wow. Uh, I got my third laugh because Bart, asks Jim what he would like to do, and Jim says, play chess. Screw. Screw. And Bart goes, all right, so chess then. <laughs> and it made me chuckle. Um, it was still the 70s. They still weren't hip on the gay stuff. In following through with my uh, neurodivergency problems in this movie, um... It's not a problem, actually, but you know, you all know you've been if you've been here, you know that I greatly dislike Matthew McConaughey's voice, and there's not a solid reason. There's not like a explanation. It's just the sound of his voice makes me want to like drown kittens in a river. Jesus Christ! Um, so why? I don't know. You have problems. I know. 
Um, on the opposite side of that, Gene Wilder's voice makes me feel completely relaxed and soothed and happy all at once anytime he talks. I'm going to get an AI to <laughs> talk to you in Gene Wilder's voice. Can Gene Wilder be my GPS voice? Can we make that happen? Because driving would be great. <laughs> Every time you don't make your turn, he goes, you lose, Charlie. <laughs> yes, please. I want this more than I have wanted a lot of things in my life. Either Gene Wilder or Alan Rickman's voice doing my GPS would be great. Um, Turn left, moron. <laughs> but no, Gene Wilder's voice does like just immediately my brain goes, Zoom. and it, I, I don't know why. If I'm ever having a really bad anxiety attack, James, just find... I'll find some Gene Wilder clips. Find a com compilation of... Hey, boys! Best of Gene Look at Wilder. what I got here! <laughs> um, Fuck, this movie's good. So they end up telling stories about their life. Uh, we find out that Jim is the Waco kid, which again is why it's... I'm pretty sure this movie's set in Texas, even if though it doesn't say it is. Also, it's so much Texas, it hurts. Um, and then Bart gets a chance to tell his story about like how he came to the West and how he ended up where they are, um, which is a very racist story in more ways than one that I'm not really going to get into. But it's racist in a funny way. The Native Americans speak Yiddish. Yes, James. because Mel Brooks plays the chief. No, he does not. Yes, he does. Oh, shit. Mel Brooks played the governor and the chief. And he spoke actual phrases in Yiddish. Is Mel Brooks said, Jewish? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. He's he's very Jewish. He spoke actual words in Yiddish that was like, stop, what are you, crazy? Let them go. Yeah, no, I, I understand <laughs> that he was speaking actual Yiddish. It's the fact that the Native Americans were speaking Yiddish. That is the racist portion that I'm referring to. Also, the whole people of color. Thing. I did have a thought that I'm not going to say out loud that I will talk about to you later about that whole scene. Okay. Um, but it was a check yourself moment, and so I'm just gonna move past just it. Flag that for later. <laughs> um and during this whole story, Jim has fallen asleep. Yep. Which classic is me when people tell stories, and now I'm even more convinced that Jim is a millennial, so <laughs> Um, then we get a scene with the Railroad Commission, because I refuse to call them anything else at this point, um, eating dinner, which is just baked beans and bread in, like, one of those little metal bowl tin things, um, and there used to be this place that, uh, back home where I lived called the Flying W Ranch. It burned down, and then they rebuilt it, um... But I used to go there quite frequently as a kid, and that's, it was supposed to be, like, this old western town, and you'd eat like they did, and you had, like, it was those bowls, and I saw that bowl, and my brain got triggered to a sense memory so hard. It was insane. Oh, oh maybe we will thunder. get rain. Goddamn. That thunder stunned both of us immediately. Um, it's because we're so used to it not raining here, it was alarming. Uh, so or it was a trash can, I can't tell. This really makes me want to go to the Flying W Ranch. Uh-huh. I have a question. Okay. 
And um, maybe you can answer this. I have an answer. Who decided farts were funny? Uh, farts are funny because they're taboo. That, I don't know who decided that. But I can tell you why it was in this movie. This was uh, a scene that didn't need to happen. Or at least the first part of it didn't need to happen. But the writing team, which is Mel Brooks, uh, Richard Pryor, and a couple other people, uh, watched a bunch of westerns. Like, you know, popular movies of the time. They watched a bunch of westerns to get reference material and stuff. And they noted that all that these fucking cowboys ate all the time was black coffee and fucking beans. And so it occurred to them that a totally natural thing that would happen to you if all you ate and drank was black coffee and beans is that you would fart a lot and you would belch a lot because that's what happens to any human being when they ingest that much bean product because beans do gas and gas comes out of you one of two ways. So they thought, well, you never see the result of these people eating all these beans for all their meals and drinking all this black coffee for all their beverages. So why not showcase it and make fun of them for never showing that in other movies or even alluding to that? And so it is noted as being the first time a fart was heard on screen in cinema. In 1974, it was the first time they did a fart joke in a movie, uh, and they did not just one fart joke, they did a chorus line of fart jokes all at once, and it might be the funniest meta fart joke that there has ever been, because they were making fun of other movies who took themselves too seriously for not including the fact that cowboys would probably fart a lot based upon their diet. Which is a totally relevant and scientific thing. So I have two thoughts about that whole tangent. One, you answered my question. I have Mel Brooks to blame. Two, that's super cool that this is the origin of that joke. Yeah. Like No one ever did a fart on camera before. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's, it's phenomenal. But second of this all... This movie was nominated for three Academy Awards. But second of all, I have Mel Brooks to partially blame for Seth MacFarlane. And oh, yeah. That is... Seth MacFarlane is like the Kmart Mel Brooks. That I can't forgive you for, but I think it's super cool that you originated the joke, so pin in your hat, my friend. Um, yeah, no, that's really cool. I also then was also thinking during that whole time, why, are they, why is it funny? Like, I think the fart jokes in Shrek are funny, but then I see fart jokes like this, and I'm like, that's so cliche, or like in Family Guy or anything, so I don't know. Maybe it's context. I don't know. Also, Shrek came out when you were a child. You watched it when you were a child. I watched other things when I was a child that had fart jokes in them, and I did not think it was funny. But you want to know who does think farts are funny? Two-year-olds. They think that shit is the funniest thing that's ever happened on this planet. Is any noise that kind of relatively sounds like a fart. I'll keep that in mind. Um when I have to entertain two-year-olds. Jim, then we flash back to the sheriff's office um, where... No, no, no. We, oh, gotta go, we gotta do Mongo. We do gotta do Mongo. Because Mongo is a linebacker in the NFL. They're trying to figure out how to take down the sheriff in this town. They gotta have him killed. Because he's kind of turning things around and they're mad about it. He convinced everyone to stay. They're having a hard time running people out. So they find Mongo. 
Well, they don't find Mongo. They they just have Mongo. They have Mongo. There's a lot of things. uh, Chains, even. There's a lot of things in this movie where if you start to ask questions, the plot unravels a lot. So it's best to just not. They send Mongo to go kill the sheriff. There you go. And do you have anything else to say about Mongo? No, we don't get oh, to the okay. defeated right, part right. yet. We'll deal with that later. All right. Uh, no, I just it, like the blatant mistreatment of him, and then he lights a cigar by putting his whole face in the fire is a good sequence. Okay. Um. So then we flash back to the sheriff's office, and Bart's about to go and like do his daily work, and Jim's telling him not to go. Don't go out there. They don't like you, man. And he's like, if I keep making the town better, they have to accept me. And all I wrote was, they do not. If history has taught us anything, they absolutely do not. And they don't. Not at first. Um, They don't even really at the end. They're just kind of like, I mean, I guess this is our option. I mean, at the end, they ask him to stay. And he goes, fuck you guys. Um... I need you to explain a gag to me in this movie. Okay. Mongo rolls up in a cow. On a water buffalo, even. Um, and he... His horse, or water buffalo, his riding companion, mm-hmm. is tagged on the back with a yes slash no. Don't know. No explanation, didn't trivia anything, boy? Didn't see anything in the trivia. I don't know what that's about. I don't understand the joke. I watched joke. it with my eyes, and I can't figure out why the water buffalo has yes on one ass cheek and no on the other. Now, our live chat has indicated something very clever, and I know he, he rides a motorcycle, so it, it kind of makes sense. It, it makes sense that he would know and we wouldn't know. It also, that's true that that's what happens. It said yes on the left, yeah. which is the passing lane. Yeah, it's the passing lane. Very, very good. Very good. Oh, it's a water buffalo, and it's a boat thing to pass on the yes side. And God no damn, Mel Brooks on. is so fucking smart. Okay. Oh, uh, we just live had this happen to us on this recording right now. We fucking got a joke explained to us. That makes more sense. Carry on. Fabulous. Fabulous. This movie's so good. Um, this movie deserves way more than it ever Got credit wise. This is mainly the reason I asked these questions and saved them for uh, later is because I was like, I'm either going to get the answer or this is going to fill out some of my time for my uh, kind of subpar note taking. So <laughs> <laughs> I make questions to ask to spur conversation on. Fabulous. Um, God, I really am Sheldon Cooper. Anyways. Uh, oh. I, I I have a I have another question. Okay. Um, and that is, were the horses in this movie okay? I am confident no horses were actually injured. In fact, there's this in the in the final battle sequence. I know there's the two fake horses in the final battle. I like I liked when the guy was riding a horse, and there was clearly a cut where the horse stopped being real, and Mongo just threw it over. <laughs> I don't think any actual horses were harmed in the making of this movie. However, this movie was made in a time where that was my concern. They did not have to specify that no horses were injured, but I can't imagine a world where, on this comedy movie where nothing is real and everything is silly, they would ever put a horse in a spot where it could be injured. There were just some actual physical stunts, gags, and stuff. A that couple were of horses fell over, and I think they were 
trained, like, trained to, to do that. That's yeah. what I was like. There's just a lot of things where like horses like do tumbles. And first of all, I want to know how you train a horse to purposely fall because that's an impressive talent. Ask Vianney. She probably knows. And uh, second of all, I just wanted to make sure the horses were okay because if the movie was made a long time ago and if you ever like end up hearing like documentaries about movies and how they were made, <laughs> Wizard of Oz. You find out, like, just horrible things happened to everyone that was involved with the movie at all times. Everyone breathed in the asbestos. It was fine. And we were drugging Judy Garland to be up and down on command. Well, no, they basically just were like, pumper full of uppers. Pumper full of downers. And then when they didn't need her anymore, they're like, pumper full of downers so we can pumper full of more uppers tomorrow. Like, um, anyways. Oh, poor Judy Garland. Anyways, I just wanted to make sure the horses were okay. As far as I can tell. They're just well-trained, in which case, now I'm impressed with the horses and their trainers. Um, Carry on. So, Mongo, um, the reason I asked is because Mongo rolls into town, and he ends up punching a horse, and the horse fell over, and I grew concerned at that point for all the horses. Um... Mongo starts wrecking up the saloon and fighting people and everyone's scared and they all know who he is for reasons. And the owner of the saloon runs and gets uh, Bart. His name's Bart, right? Uh, the sheriff. The sheriff. And um, it's like, you gotta help us. And, and Bart agrees, and Jim's le- and he turns to Jim, and he's like, see, I told you they'd accept me, and then the saloon guy, the owner, makes a joke. He's like, the fool said he'd do it! And um, there's a running gag in this movie that I really appreciate of, like, people saying things, pretending, like, that someone can't hear them, and realizing that they uh, definitely did say it in front of that person, and then just, like, saying it again. Um even though they know that person can still hear them or already heard them, is really funny. I did enjoy that long-going gag. So the sheriff comes up with this plan to in a very Looney Tunes-style thing, which was the joke. They used Looney Tunes theme theme song. Um, But in a very Looney Tunes-style way to get rid of Mongo, which is to dress up as a... Candygram. Telegram person. Telegrapher? Candygram. He's a candygram, but that was... It was candy grams were like, anyways. Yeah, telegram. Um, Like he dressed up like a telegram guy. A runner. And he goes to deliver a candy gram to Mongo. And this stops Mongo pushing the townspeople with a piano into a wall, which was how he was torturing them, I guess. Um, I mean, it probably was painful. I'm not saying that it wasn't. It's just a weird (sighs) tactic. Is it bad or too hot? I went sideways. Oh. Sorry, James was making faces drinking coffee. I took a pill. Oh. Why didn't you use my water for that? Or no, your water? That's fine. The pill went sideways down the throat. Yeah, I gathered, but All why right. didn't why did you not you okay, anyways. Um It's not thunder. Okay, so um the go to go deliver a loony like a candy gram to Mongo. He selects it, he signs, he signs for, for it. <laughs> Um, and then Bart acts like a Looney Tunes character, plugs his ears, does like the silly walk around and hides behind the corner. And then he, to the Looney Tunes theme song, by the way. Yeah, it's straight up the Looney Tunes theme. 
and da 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 uh, and then Mongo opens the candy gram, which in Looney Tunes... I Tides, love candy. Looney Tiles fashion just explodes in his face. Um, and that's him to... That knocks Mongo out, and they chain him up to the jail cell door. The best part about that gag is not actually that gag. It's the following sequence when he's talking to Jim again, and he goes, I invented the candy gram. Probably won't even get credit for it. Um... Okay, so that all happens. I love Bart suits. I know I already said oh, it fantastic. in the first part, but like, fabulous. They just are really good to look at. Like, props to the costume designer. We don't shout out costume people enough on this podcast, and we are we do. If you're new here, James and I are. I got my degree in theater, and he got his degree in film, and so kind of we round out the acting portion and the filmmaking portion. So we do like to call out where credit, like credit where credits due, when we see something um, that we appreciate as artists. And the costumer for this show, or this movie, it's not a show. Fabulous. Did a great job. Love it. Like his suits are all just really pretty to look at and really great. And like they definitely fit that city boy sheriff vibe that you guys are going for. I also like that like people are actually dirty, unlike Million Ways to Die in the West. Um, I don't know. Just like props to the costume and makeup people of this movie. So then Mungo didn't work. So now we have to resort to other means to which kill is the sheriff. Sex. Yes. Um so they They went and got themselves a seductress. They have uh, Lily, her name's Lily and Lily von Stuck. What's his name? Headley? Headley goes to... Uh, I like how you don't remember characters' names. I don't know why. Um, Headley goes to... Oh, we didn't... Wait, briefly. We didn't talk about the best joke in the movie. Which happens at around 45 minutes in. It's right... It's just before... It's like just before Mongo and just before Lily Von Stuck. Which is... He goes out to do his daily thing, and that old lady just straight up tells him, up yours, and a slur. Hard and, R. Yeah, and then he goes back in, and he's sitting there with Jim, and Gene Wilder's consoling him, and he's, like, talking about how stupid all the townsfolk are, and he's just really eloquently putting it that they're very terrible people of the land. And he goes, you know, morons. And they didn't... Clavon Little didn't know what the line was. So you see him like physically bust up laughing at the line. And then Mongo wakes up. And it's just fucking tremendous how fucking incredible his reaction was to the silly little joke. I don't know. It was just great. Um, carry on. Headley has someone that he uses to seduce people that are in power that he uses on the regular. Her name is Lily. It took me forever to get that sentence out. Anyways. The pretty Lily. Um, she answers the door um, when he like knocks on it with a cabaret reference. If you've never seen the musical Cabaret, that's that whole spiel that she does is where that's from. Um... I don't know why 
Mel Brooks used it as a joke. It's funny if you get the reference, but... Probably just to make the reference to Cabaret. I also thought it could be like a deeper, um, more like calling out racism thing because... The whole movie is about calling out that's racism. That's why so. I thought that because there's, there's not a lot of German representation in film, especially at this time or like in... Ever. The arts. Um, and one of the only other well-noted ones is Cabaret. So for her to have, like for her to say that line, that was my only other reasoning for it um, was either he was calling out Cabaret because artists respect artists or he was making a more racial statement. Not that he's racist, but like calling out racism. Anyways. Um, Quick tie-in from this movie to Greece. I knew you'd, I knew that would catch your attention. The world premiere of this movie was at the Pickwick Drive-In Theater in Burbank. The Pickwick Drive-In Theater was the drive-in in Greece. Got it. Which is just very cool. Sadly, it's been demolished since then, which is a shame because it would be cool to go see a movie at that drive-in. Anyways, carry on. Um, he really likes Lily's legs. He, like, really likes Lily's legs. And I, this is my, uh... Next talking point question, now that I've exposed my hand, is what's up with men and legs? That I don't know, but I do know that Lily Von Stupp, I just had it. God damn it. I had the piece. I had the little trivia bit about it. Uh, the character of Lily Von Stupp is a parody of Marlene Dietrich, who I don't know who Marlene Dietrich is, but I'm going to find out for you right now. But basically, she was famous for having stunning legs of sorts. So they make a big deal about Lily Von Stupp's legs because she's a parody of the leg person. That's an explanation for why the joke's there, but it's a standard that's been held throughout time of, like, long-legged women. And I'm just curious where that came from. Like, because it's, like, oh, a Dietrich thing. Is she, a... She's got some legs on her. Like, what? Why? Of all the features on a woman, like, I already, I already know you guys like boobs and butt. But, like, why legs? Also, I love that all the things men, like, are really obsessed with with women are all from, like, chest down. You ever hear them talk about their hair or their face? Anyway, sexism aside. Um, but why do dudes like sexy legs, chat? I'm asking you, why? I already know they do, but why? Uh, anyways, um, I, I'm going to say something that's going to sound really catty, <laughs> but I'm trying to figure out if that's the point of this joke. And it's that the actress who did win an Oscar, so congrats, um, but the actress isn't even that pretty. Nor is she in the movie, like, hardly at all. And is that the point? Is that she's not, like, I guess stereotypically, like, super attractive? Like, don't get me wrong, she's not ugly, but she's not, like, I guess when even the, for example, the secretary would look better as the role of a seductress than the actress who played Lily. But is that the point? Is that she's... I'll say this. She does look just like Marlene Dietrich. Okay, that's the point. Never mind that. Because Marlene Dietrich is like cabaret incarnate. Mm -hmm. 
and Marlene Dietrich was the, the performer ins- who made like the performing in a top hat and the coattails. That's her. Oh. So they parodied her in this movie by getting another actress who, who looked very like, similarly okay. German and all that stuff. I'm telling you, Mel Brooks all over the ball on this one. Okay. So then that tracks. So and they also did The Secretary, which was just like bombshell city. So, okay. So that is, okay. So semi the point, but not really. Yeah. Um, She sings a song that goes on for all of the sometime. <laughs> so long. And all it is is about like, I don't want to fuck anymore. The, all, it's <laughs> that she's old and tired. That's the it's point of the song. It's such a funny song. I'm old. I don't want to fuck anymore. Don't talk to me. It's the best fucking cabaret song ever because you know what the result of it is? It's a bunch of fucking horned up cowboys in the saloon still trying to bone. In the song, there's a line how men are always coming and going and going and coming and coming again and then too soon. Am I right, ladies? <laughs> that was That was my fourth laugh. Uh-huh. So now it's three uh-huh. times better than Million Ways to Die in the West. Again, for those of you keeping score at home. No one was but you. Um, I wrote again that this, song, uh, this is where I wrote the song has gone on for too long. Um, and then she's talking about different types of sex positions. I must have stopped paying attention. What? <laughs> in, I got bored of the song. What happened? In the song, she goes over different sex positions. Fascinating. Some are real, like missionary and okay. stuff like that. And others are not. And one of the things she refers to is men do a belly jump on her, and that's like a good thing. And I just wrote... I don't know what that is. Don't ask me. What sex involves belly jumping, and am I doing it wrong if there is something, because I need to know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> the she goes she does the whole song. She uh-huh. sends a note out to Bart who has attended the show to inviting him up to her room so she can seduce him. And there's a part of this scene that was cut out. We'll get to that in a moment. Okay. Cuz I'm going to give you my fifth laugh making this four times better than Million Ways to Die. Uh is she did the cabaret speech again cuz he knocked on the door and mm-hmm. she I cannot remember the, or say the speech for the life of me, but it's how she, the cabaret welcoming. It's the greeting and welcome. Yeah. Um, and the fact she did it twice made me laugh. So five laughs. Um, they do a lot of, like, they do this whole thing where she gets him in there. Um, part of the scene is cut out, which James will talk to us about, apparently. Um, and she's trying to seduce him, so she blows out the candles which in old stage grid lighting for like movie sets, when a character blows out a candle, like all the light goes off for that scene. Um, Cause candles provide so much light. If you've ever tried to see a room by candlelight, you know, uh, uh movies. <laughs> all I have to say is the stage lighting is, it was really bad in this one. Like, I think it's that way on purpose. And then I wrote, and I don't know if it's on purpose. So. I think it's probably that way on purpose. The whole movie is parody. It's like a South Park episode that's just really, really long. And then she ends up basically, they they, they do the nasty. And well, now James can tell us about this part of the scene that got cut out. So she blows the candles out. They get interrupted by the, gov- the fucking attorney general who is just desperate to get a touch of this woman. 
She rebuffs him well, though. Uh, and she fucking... She goes to sit next to him on the couch, and we hear a... The, the caption says, zip. Like a zipper. But the sound you hear is fabric tearing. Like, very clearly fabric tearing sound effect. And the part of the scene that got cut out is Bart... Like, she gets all excited about, like, is what they say about your people true, which is a a pointed racist joke, but, like, a funny haha one. And uh, she's all excited about it being true, and the scene cuts off there, cut to the morning. What they cut out was he, Bart says, sorry to disappoint you, but you're sucking on my arm. And that hit the cutting room floor as one of the, like, three things that Mel Brooks did cut out of the movie. Uh, so, I personally think that should have stayed in because I think that's fucking hilarious. And uh, I'm sad it isn't in there. But they did sneak it back into the home release of the movie. However, if you stream it on Amazon Prime, as we did, it is not there. Tragedy. Then in the morning, he says he can't have many more sausages. Yes, and she is like... Bummed. She's infatuated with Totally him. infatuated. It only takes a night, by the way. I, I said um, a joke I can't say goes here, and then I, <laughs> he referenced what it was so I'd remember, um, but the fact that she's so like enthused and enthralled with him in the morning just fits. Oh my god. You can't say that joke. That's what I said. A joke I can't say goes here. <laughs> and you just, you never go back. You can't do that, James. <laughs> yes, I can. You can't take my joke about not being able to say my joke and then make and then say the, the joke. joke <laughs> and steal the credit for the thing I thought of originally. It's, it's not my joke. You wrote it. It's all credit to you. I just said it. <laughs> <sighs> we got to hustle, bro. We got so much movie left. I don't have that many more notes left. I know, but the plot carries on. The plot I can explain in like these notes. All right. Um, so he's like, "Nah, I gotta go to work." He pieces out. Um, and then he talks to Jim, who kind of gives him an update about or um about kind of what's going on with the law and the like shootings and the railroad commission. And then Mungo pipes up and kind of through some funny circumstances after they have to let him go, because that was one of the things that Jim had to tell him was that, hey, Mungo's been pardoned by the attorney general. We got to let him go. And that's kind of when they start to put all the pieces together that the Railroad Commission and Headley are, like, working together. And Mungo kind of explains to them that the reason they're working together is, like, the Railroad's supposed to go through Rockridge, yep. and, um, yeah. Now the plot is revealed. There you go. Um, but Bart acts like he doesn't understand why they could possibly, like, like, they. he says we need to go check on the train and see what's actually happening after Mungo reveals this, and I was like, dude, you were there, you know why they're going through Rockridge. You were the one that discovered the quicksand. Like, how are you not... Putting this together, they changed the route of the train because of the quicksand. Anyways, 
it really that was one of the mo the only times I got truly frustrated in this movie was like you worked there. You you knew why they couldn't put the train where the train was originally supposed to go and you said you had to go check it out just so we could get the rest of the movie to happen. <laughs> okay. Um they roll up on the railroad commission to kind of like they ride down there just as themselves to go check on it. And they get stopped. What are you laughing about? I just am laughing about what's coming in the movie. They get stopped by uh, the railroad commission um, when they're trying to check out the tracks. And they... Yes, James? No, no, no. I'm not saying anything. Carry on. What were you going to say? I didn't have anything to say. You uh -huh. just genuinely misunderstood my hair twirling. twirling. They, uh, they basically hold him up at like gunpoint and they're like duh, 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 and then Bart what they're like but do <laughs> they hold up their guns and they're like bah, 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 bah. what are they the fucking Swedish chef of cowboys <laughs> anyways <laughs> the whole reason I'm talking about it is because I have a note if you would let me get there without making fun of me They, they, Bart tells the kid to like take out their guns and they're like, no, we're going to shoot you. And so he, he can't, he can't even hold a gun. We're going to shoot him. And then in the course of doing that, Waco the kid, um, what? Waco the kid? That's his name. Is it not? It's the Waco kid. I love you so desperately. It's the same thing. Waco the kid, the kid Waco, what? <laughs> oh dear. Well, all right, we're, we're spiraling. No, what is his name? His name is the Waco kid. The Waco kid shoots him super fast, but I thought that he couldn't shoot anymore. Well, they he just says he can't shoot anymore. He was like, look at my hand. Well, right. He, he holds his hand up and it's perfectly still. And he goes, no, but I shoot with this hand. He's left-handed. He wears two guns. So he can... He even proved that he is the fastest draw ever when they do the chess piece game. But I thought he couldn't shoot because his hand was shaky. No, he's memeing. Oh. He's memeing on everybody. He just stopped doing gun stuff because he, like, turned around at the side of draw and there was a six-year-old there and he said, fuck it, I'm done. And then the kid shot him in the ass. And then he said, extra fuck it, I'm done. Okay. That's all I needed explained to me. Because I was really confused. I thought he actually couldn't shoot. No, he just retired. He was like, I'm done doing gunfighting. I'm starting whiskey. I thought he was shaking because he had PTSD from the child situation. No, he's a professional. A consummate professional. Okay. He's a markedly good gunfighter. They basically say because now that the Waco kid... Yeah. The Waco kid is here... Um, they're basically going to need an army mm. to beat the sheriff and the Waco kid. Um, and so they decide to basically put out a notice to hire anyone. A bunch of vagabonds. A long speech. I can find it. The speech, to me, sounds like Mark when he's describing boobs. And I made that reference because it was just like at some point it, 
when someone says that many words Giant in a fun hungaroos. When somebody says that many words in a row, like your brain just shuts off and they don't sound like real words anymore. And it reminded me of that Markiplier meme now of him describing boobs. Oh my god, I can't find it. Um, but so yeah, they're hi- they're basically hiring Mercs to go take out the town of Rock Rock Ridge, right? Rock yep. Ridge. Um, and then we see. The people that they have hired. It's a variety. It's a variety. That's a good word. It's a very big variety. Um, and they also do a wonderful uh, musical variety that matches the variety of people that there are in this line. And the music changes every time you start a new group of people. Really? I didn't uh huh. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And it's that. um appropriate this for each group. This movie's so good. And it's such a smooth transition that you miss it for the first several groups, and then you get to about midway through, and it's very deliberate, and then you get to the end, and it's very subtle again. So it's very easy to miss, but it was beautifully well done. Um, and this is. This is a part of the promo I used, but um, I learned where a meme comes from today. And it came from this movie. And it was an educational time for me. It was a spiritual experience because I had to pause the movie, look at my you husband and so go, excited. that's where this is from. That's from this movie. It made the movie so much better for me because I, I really love when I see cultural like circles of things um like you see where the beginning and the end is and i've had several of those for this movie which is really cool like fart jokes and things like that um it's really cool to see like something that existed in the past happening again in the present and so the fact that i know this movie now because i knew the meme first is just super cool to me because that just shows you how cool art and culture is because it basically permeates time hey boys <sighs> look at what i got here I'm not doing it. <laughs> Where are all the white women at? What a good fucking meme, dude. I love that scene. I love that scene so much. And it's just the two clan guys are like, oh! <laughs> they run off. Get the shit beat out of them. And then they infiltrate the gang as, as, the... as these clan members. Yep. And then they go to sign up and... Fucking Bart reaches for the pen first. Idiot! Like a fool. I wrote idiots. Just that was the only note I had for this whole scene of them signing up was idiots. (laughs) Bart reaches. He's clearly not white. And uh, that's, you know, not correct if you're going to wear a clan hood. And then Jim makes a joke about him being dirty and tries to clean it off. You have to wash up after we burn those crosses. Like, the whole scene the is nose, great. As hard as you can get. It's so good. Fuck, um, this movie's good. Ah. We get a City Waves meme, um, actually, of bush people, which I did take note of, because they... They just run away and They run away bushes. and carry bushes and hide in them. Um, and then uh, the only thing I'll tell you about for this next little bit is... <sighs> 
they I'll tell you the plot, but the my note that I had for this entire time uh-huh. was through no reason I have discovered that Wikipedia has a list of alphabetized ethnic slurs and there are more than I thought. <laughs> oh my god. That is the whole note I took when Why uh, did you look up the slurs? I don't remember. Because the whole scene of them basically rebuilding the town sent me down a spiral of Oh, that's Googling. right. Because they 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 were like these guys are going to help you build the decoy town in exchange for small parcels of land. And the guy was like we'll take the uh, I'll not say slurs. That would be bad. The He's the a, hard R and yeah, the and the Chinese. Yes, we'll take the Chinese. We'll take the Africans. We won't take the Irish. Which, and we were like, "Is there not a slur for the Irish? Are they just called the Irish?" And it turns out they're just called the Irish. Which then made me. I was like, I didn't believe that as an answer because that that's what James is true. Google. So I had to look. Is there any slurs for Irish people? And then we found a. A wormhole of just every slur ever. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Um. So, that's the whole note I took for that entire scene of them creating a plan. So, the plan here is, they're going to build a decoy town, convi- and through trickery, get what we have affectionately dubbed the Railroad Committee, which is just a gang, to ride through the fake town... And then we're going to blow them all up. We're going to commit many acts of murder. They've committed many acts of murder. Right, but we're going to do it as a group. Town murder. That's what we're going to do. We're going to build a pretend town. They're going to ride in, and we're going to blow them all up with dynamite. We're going to blow up every one of them. I can't say it's a bad plan. Uh, so they, they do it's the whole thing. a great plan. They do the whole deal. And then they realize they need to buy some more time to build some dummies. And so they real quick assemble a toll booth, which does not have like a fence or something surrounding it. And the people ride up to no, the toll wait. booth. What? What, are we, what am I missing? What did I skip over? You skipped a lot of things. What did I skip over? The Nazi joke. Which Nazi joke? Uh, then when they're like getting ready to ride off. <laughs> Which Nazi joke? You do this thing where you smush two <laughs> similar scenes together. Oh fuck me! And you did it earlier when I was talking about um one uh, one of the scenes in the sheriff's office, and okay. then you did it again just now where you're like, yeah, this scene goes immediately after this scene. Yes, but also yes, there's but no. Other halves of the story happening, um, and this is one of those other halves, which is they uh, do a lineup where they're like basically like praying before they ride off um, to go attack the town. They're like doing a chant and a prayer or whatever, and they're all the Nazis who showed up to be part of the hired assassins mm-hmm. are just doing the German salute. Z Heil. And it was just really funny because, like, everyone's doing, like, has their head bowed and stuff. And Hat just... over heart or whatever. And you just get a bunch of white Germans Please and helmets in the it. back, arms straight out. Thank you. Um, and then also the handlebars on the horses is funny because there's a biker gang that is also signed up to be the hi- <laughs> hired mercs for this town attack. And very clearly, like, 
Hispanic biker gang. And also, like, making the reference to Monty Python where they didn't actually ride horses, they just did this and clomped coconuts together. The bikers are just holding up their bike. Until they get horses, and then they put them on the horses. And so it's historically accurate, but historically not accurate at the same time, and it's really funny. Those were the two things you missed, and then we get to the and then we build toll a toll booth. booth, and the toll booth is ten cents to pass, and they they stop, and Taggart asks, "Does anybody have a dime?" And everyone's like, rah, 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 "Crowd noise!" And he goes, "Send somebody back. We need to get a shitload of dimes." And so they do. They send a runner to go back and get a shitload of dimes, and then everyone one at a time. Pays the toll to go through the toll booth. They could have gone around. The meme is terrific that they got so befuddled. And what's even better is they're not even like, it's not even like upright citizens. These are just straight up criminals. Under no circumstances would they, in normal circumstances, pay the toll. They'd go around it. But no. The plan is so silly and so dumb, it worked. It's a cartoon. The whole movie's a cartoon. On that note, because we're not going to do a super ridiculously long um, podcast recording because last time was so long. I'm not going to do that to you twice. And I know that James and I could probably talk about this end sequence for an extremely long time. So I'm going to actually encourage you to go watch the movie because it's excellent. And I think the end sequence alone warrants you watch it. Um, But the whole gag of the end sequence is fantastic. It's some of the funniest shit I've ever seen in cinema. It's meta. It's great. (laughs) The brawl that breaks out into the studio lot. Like, all of it. Followed by the movie theater bit, too. All of it is fantastic. And you should go watch the movie and experience it for yourself, because I probably could talk for a very long time. We could talk about it for probably a couple hours. I don't think we could accurately describe how good it actually is so you just simply have to watch it and that is where we will wrap podcast for this movie i it honestly it's a seven out of ten for me it was i would God damn i'd pro i would watch it again and maybe like not like on purpose but if it was on i'd watch it um really good it's one of those things that i'll sh- want to show other people because it's so good which oh, yeah. is why i'm telling you to go watch it I'm going to watch it again, for sure. Um, on that note, we had a tie on our live stream for our next two movies. So your next two, four, ep- eight, ep- no, four. Four episodes for you guys will be Castle in the Sky, followed by Bullet Train. So you I've guys, only seen the first 30 minutes of Bullet Train. You guys have that to look forward to. Oh, it's been a while since we've done a duo. We haven't seen it. To- so that'll be nice. Yeah. I All guess right. I'll have to lead the next episode, though. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right.